Hmm. How does the how does the cold open normally go again? Hello, listener. Uh, I'm afraid there won't be a proper episode uh, again this week. Uh, this is because. James is unwell, and I'm really super disorganised. Uh, the the disorganisation I'd, I'd like to blame on uh, the fact that we've got two children in the house now instead of one, but the truth is that uh, in terms of disruption, the children uh, are pretty much only taking up as much time as Noah did when it was just him in the house. Uh, Amy is obviously having a harder time with both of them during the day, but by the time 5 o'clock rolled around, 6 o'clock, it's Noah's bedtime, and then Max is pretty much the same as Noah was at that age. Uh, So yeah, there's no real excuse. The main thing that's really impacting on my extracurricular activities at the moment is is more still trying to get to grips with having moved to a house slightly further out. I understand that there are probably even people listening to this who have the uh, commutes from hell to get to and from work. So uh, I'm really not after sympathy from ever anyone, but I'm still uh, having a bit of trouble. Just uh, I've been back at work for about a week, and I'm still having a bit of trouble getting uh, used to what my roots will be, and um, getting used to all the all of the uphill walking that's going on. Uphill walking in this case, not a euphemism. Uh, I the area we've moved into very hilly indeed, and well, that means that. In the event of uh, sudden water level rising, as uh, seen in the documentary Day After Tomorrow, uh, we'll be okay for about 30 seconds longer than uh, the people who live where we used to live. Um, the trade-off for that is that we uh, struggle to walk uh, anywhere even remotely close by. Um, and so that's something I'm having to get used to. And uh, I'm... I'm finding that I'm having a bit more trouble with that than I'd have hoped. I think that's to do with just being that little bit older. Being 41 is really playing on my knees, it turns out. And my bowels, but that's a completely different story. Um, so what's going on? Well, as I said, James isn't very well at the moment. It's uh, I'm finding it very strange going for such long periods without without talking to him, uh, especially uh, with a microphone in the room. Um, I really do need to need to see him again soon. Hopefully in the next couple of days. I, I don't know. I miss him when he's not there, and I I worry about him a lot. More because he's my meal ticket, really. Uh, anyone who's listened to the podcasts for long enough will realise. Uh, that uh, James really is the funny one. He's also kind of the smart one too. His emotional intelligence can sometimes cause him cause him problems. He uh, he tends to get angry before he's really listened to you properly. But um, but yeah, he's way smarter than me. 
and uh, he uh, he completes me in so many ways that it's not even funny. So what's going on around here aside from James being ill? Well, I am. I started gardening this week. That was exciting. Uh, I haven't really grown any veg in a couple of years, uh, so I've got from uh, where I'm standing now, I can see three propagators with some stuff in. That's exciting. I'll keep you up to date on what's going on with those. Um, what else is happening? I think the pain tablets that we've got our Dalmatian on aren't working as well as they were a few weeks ago and that's a little bit of a worry. Our, our Dalmatian Anya, I don't know if I talk about it much on the podcast because while I, uh, I open up about a lot of things there are certain things that, that are just uh, that little bit too real so I might have... Uh, and that I, I'm still kind of processing, and and it's it's difficult to talk about because I'm I'm processing them. And uh, one of the things that I might have mentioned in passing, but not really gone into any detail, is our Dalmatian's twelve years old, and um, that's a really good age for a Dalmatian. So in the last uh, six months, we found out that she's got this uh, form of arthritis, which means these uh, like weird little bone spurs have been accumulating uh, under the, uh, I don't know what you call them, you know, the spine, the bits of the spinal column, the un- the underside of it, the bit that the bit that's inside her, it's all inside her, obviously her spine isn't exposed, that's ridiculous, but um, th- there's kind of this, this bone growth accumulating under uh, on the underside of her spine, uh, and it's just, it's, it's not going to get better. Um, and it's basically very painful for her. So for a really long time, uh, she was in quite a lot of pain and we didn't really know what was going on. And once that got got diagnosed, she's now on tablets. Um, and I mean, they seem to work. And she still like acts like a puppy a lot of the time, but we just have to accept that she's not going to be getting any any better. And she's already a pretty good age for a dog. Um, and I, again, I probably talked about I probably talked about it in passing in in previous shows, but but maybe not gone into any detail about it recently. But Anya was basically I've known I, I I've had Anya since she was born. Um, I used to live with uh, go out with uh, the, the this girl who had a Dalmatian, and we had a litter with uh, she she had the female dalmatian we had a litter with a local uh, a local male dalmatian so we had like these 12 puppies running around in the house and um and anya was the the one that was when she was born she was the, like the last one born and she wasn't breathing and uh my uh ex-girlfriend managed to like bring her to life I guess um, she knew what exactly what to do and, and she managed to get her breathing and stuff but we had to hand rear her she needed uh, she needed feeding because she wasn't really Anya not my ex-girlfriend uh, because she wasn't really strong enough to uh, feed at the same time as the the other puppies did and she tended to get like kicked around a lot so she'd sit with us quite a lot and um, and so when all of the other puppies were sold 
we we knew we were going to keep one and of course uh, once we'd hand reared even though pretty soon you you know unless you knew you wouldn't necessarily know that she was the runt except that she spent all of her time with us um there she is hello Anya can hear her she's uh, got very long nails claws they're called when it's on a dog that's it you happy no the other thing about uh, Anya specifically I don't know it might just be a Dalmatian thing is uh, she kind of has looked a little bit depressed and dogs in general actually she's kind of looked a little bit depressed for uh, most of her life so it's always really hard to tell when something's actually up with her hang on a second come on then girl come on Let's get you out. That's a nice bird. Good, well done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd I, I probably, probably smart to get her out of the room. I don't really want to talk about her mortality while she's in here. So when it came time to keep one of the pups, of course we were always going to keep hold of Anya. And uh, there was another pup in in the uh, litter who needed to get some surgery because he had a little hernia before we could sell him. So for a little while we had three dogs in the house and that was quite exciting. Anya was still getting kicked around quite a lot because the bit the older, the, the bigger pup was kind of a well not not bully he was fine but um yeah he she she was kind of the uh she stayed the runt for longer than maybe would have been normal and then almost exactly a year after the pups were born so when Anya was about a year old at that point she still wasn't toilet trained she would you take her for these really long walks but she was very nervous so you take her for very long walks she would refuse to go to the toilet and then the second she walked into the house she'd she'd wee uh, in the house which is a little bit nerve-wracking and then when the pups were pretty much a year old I think this is a coincidence that relationship that I was in with uh, the, the girlfriend at the time uh, broke down and uh, arguably broke down before then, a long time before then, probably about two months into the relationship. Um, and uh, she moved out and uh, we, at that point, we had the, the mother dog and Anya and we agreed to, to take one each and uh, the mother dog was her dog anyway. Uh, from from before we, uh, us meeting each other, and I wanted Anya anyway. So, um, and Anya was kind of a broken puppy. Remember, I said she just uh, she uh, wasn't really toilet trained. She was still very nervous, and that was pretty much the state I was in at the end of that relationship as well. So, um, so I got Anya, and I was quite worried because I, in some ways, because I knew that at some point I'd have to start going to work and I I didn't know how I'd deal with a dog that was just weeing inside all the time. But weirdly, from pretty much the moment that it was just us, her 
training was great. We'd go for walks. She'd do everything a dog's supposed to do on a walk and suddenly had loads more confidence and, and stuff like that. I think because she was now the only dog in the house. But the truth is that that first year, well, mainly the first six months, but then a year, I, I'm not great after a breakup. I know most people don't really enjoy them, but I, I really struggle with the whole unreconcilable it it sounds very it sounds very childish but i've i've never really been able to reconcile the but you were in love with me 5 minutes ago why are you not in love with me now sort of thing i've i've never coped very well with that but at the same time this particular relationship was one of those ones where you where they're traumatic and difficult pretty much from the beginning and you very much lose a, your sense of self and so whether it was a healthy relationship or not probably uh, more likely when it isn't a healthy relationship when it's over you've got nothing left so you've got all the same uh all the same sadness and exhaustion and upset that you get uh, with any breakup but at the same time i i no longer really had anything of myself so i was I didn't take it well and then I was living in a place by myself which is the first time I'd done that for three years as well and um, and basically there was me and this puppy uh, and I'd never had a dog before living with this girl I'd, I had a friend who um, who had a dog that I dog sit for maybe one week when I was a teenager and then that was it I wasn't around dogs an awful lot but I'd got used to having one around during the relationship and then and then me and Anya I kind of knew that I loved this little dog uh getting steadily getting bigger dog um but I don't I don't think I really understood uh how big an impact it would have on me it it literally just being me and this dog me and a dog it, it, living with each other and it just being us and uh, and us having to move from house to house because it was very difficult at the time to, to find people who would rent to someone with a pet especially for any length of time uh, uh, so every few months the peop- the sort of people who would rent to us were the sort of people who would in a booming housing market like the one we had at the time would decide now hang on a minute actually I'd rather not be a landlord they weren't really career landlords career landlords are too smart to let people have pets in their houses um so so yeah there there was a lot of change and a lot of upheaval and in the middle of it there was just me and this dog and for the longest time uh we were in uh, living in very small spaces together and so she was sleeping in with me and uh i wasn't very good about um feeding her i mean i i fed her but i wasn't very good at not you're not supposed to give dogs your leftovers and i that didn't it just didn't even occur to me not to let her just clean my plate and we weren't I wasn't the sort of dog owner who was just eating stuff out of her mouth or sharing stuff with her that 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 sort of stereotype is not one that I adhered to but you know we had a very close I had a very close relationship with her so um and in some ways uh it 
it was through Anya and walking Anya together that Amy and I bonded as well. So, yeah. So I'm I'm not that happy about her being ill. I've I'm probably more affected by her mortality than I have been by uh, some uh, fairly prominent actual human beings. Um, yeah. So that's cheerful. Um, yeah, I'll just uh, talk to you for about seven minutes, probably longer, about the impending death of a dog. That's That's cheerful, isn't it? What else is happening? What else has been happening? So I'm back at work. It's interesting. The politics in my workplace have actually been fairly played down recently, which is quite nice. Uh, I suppose the other main things that are happening is uh, both of the, both of our boys are levelling up at the moment, which is quite nice. Um, I, I've talked before about uh, how the, they seem to go through developmental spurts. And literally in the last couple of days, I was singing to Noah while changing his nappy uh, before bed yesterday um, and not yesterday, a couple of days ago and uh, he actually started singing back which was quite uh, amazing uh, he's for the longest time he's repeated little bits of like the wheels on the bus he'll do round and round for the song the wheels on the bus He'll do for the song Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. He'll do fa 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 better. Um, well, he won't do the better. He'll just do the fa 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 fa. He's he's been he's for a while he's been doing for like the phonetic noises that are repeated in songs a lot, um, but only very rarely, not with any sort of real consistency. But over the last couple of days, he's been. Uh, it's still kind of gibberish he's not he's not properly uh, enunciating words yet but he's been getting uh, vocal phrases right from a couple of the songs from Frozen uh, Let It Go he's been doing lots of and he's been quite good at uh, when you sing the first part of a line, if you sing it in in the right tone of voice so that he recognises it, he'll go on and do the the next bit of it for you. Um, he shakes his head uh, soulfully at the appropriate points in songs, and he's taken to shouting, uh, mimicking uh, stuff that's going on in Princess Totoro, which is very exciting for me because I've basically been forcing that film down his throat since he was very small. So that's exciting. Um, it's uh, it's mainly exciting because I've worked out that literally the only chance I have of ever becoming a full time online content producer is uh, is if I get uh, one or both of my children to the point where they can perform in an incompetent but cute way uh, on video. And, and for that to become, uh, such a strong viral meme, uh, that, um, that I end up, you know, being invited on, uh, the, uh, the right stuff, uh, or, or the American version of the right stuff, uh, Oprah or the Ellen show. 
Um, you know, invited on with him. Obviously, I'll do all the talking because I'm grown up. Maybe we could train him to say a couple of precocious things. At the moment, he hasn't really got the uh, the words for that sort of thing, and uh, I'm kind of relying on it for the future. So, uh, so hopefully, he'll get on that fairly soon. The other thing is that uh, Max, literally tonight, Max uh, got himself to sleep on his. He's got this play mat which he hasn't really spent loads of time on. He's not particularly chilled out on it. And uh, and uh, Amy, certainly during the day, has had a lot of trouble getting him. He'll fall asleep on you, but then when you try and put him in his Moses basket, he'll get quite uh, ratty. I'm quite lucky because by the time I get my few hours with him, uh, it's quite late at night and he's tired because he hasn't been sleeping all day. And everything's a bit darker and a bit more chilled out anyway, so he's been he's been dropping off on me and then going in his Moses basket, and that's fine. And he's been a little bit milk drunk as well normally because of uh, feeding him, not because we've actually been getting him drunk. That would be uh, probably abusive. Um, and so one thing that I and I never really noticed this about Noah, but one thing that Amy's uh, often said. Uh, is quite a, a good thing in a in a toddler, and again, it's not in a baby. Sorry, and it's not something I I particularly knew one way or the other whether they were good at. Is um, the ability to get themselves to sleep is actually quite. Um, it's not rare, but it's not common either. It's um, you're very lucky if you have a child who can actually be in their, their Moses basket or be lying down and and just get themselves off to sleep from a very early age and. Noah could do it, but Max, not so much. And uh, so we were watching uh, TV earlier on, and then Amy was on the phone, and uh, I was bored of holding the baby. That's not true. But I wanted to play Candy Crush on the tablet. Um, Candy Crush isn't even... I'm not even sure it's a game. It's just... Never mind. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now. So yeah, so Amy was on the phone. I wanted to do stuff on the tablet. So I put Max on his uh, playmat. It's quite a cute little playmat. It used to be Noah's and it's his now. It's got like a mirror on it and this sort of hangy things on it. Uh, and I was fully expecting to have to get up and uh, pick him up again at some moment. I didn't think he'd really like it. But within a couple of minutes, he'd just gone straight off to sleep, um, which is surprisingly exciting because it means uh, it's uh, he's only a month old but it's the it's one of the first signs um, of proper development he's been getting stronger and stronger the whole time I think he's going to have gross motor skills uh, you know he's going to put more of his points into gross motor skills whereas uh, Noah has always been very good at the fine motor skills but he didn't really stand up until like quite late and stuff like that. Max already seems a little bit impatient with the big physical stuff. So um so yeah, so he's been doing a little bit of that. But the ability to get himself to sleep is one of the first stages in uh it's kind of one of the first stages in uh that that point where a baby changes from being something that just eats and toilets and needs cuddles all the time in an, in an endless cycle and doesn't really do anything or know anything else to um to him actually uh d developing his own sort of uh d 
more normal routines and stuff like that, which is quite exciting. At the same time, it's quite sad for me because certainly with Noah, we managed to get him into a nighttime routine relatively early. I can't remember exactly how old he was. I don't know if it was seven or eight months or something like that. But um, it it wasn't the main... My main task in the early lives is once Amy goes to bed, it's just me with them and I'm up with them, uh, feeding them till quite late and stuff like that. And once that late feed drops off the radar or once you start not bothering to wake them up to do it, once you start doing a, sl- a sleep feed, then I uh, lose a, a, a little bit of my usefulness in that regard. Um, which, you know, is a shame because it's the uh, it's the only... Uh, a, lot of, a lot of it is spent just watching them while they sleep or going off and doing something else and hoping they let you. But it, it's uh, you spend a lot of time just looking at them or cuddling them and there being it just being you and them. For the default parent, bonding is a much more straightforward process because they're there the whole time. But uh, for the one who's... For the non-default parent or the secondary parent or whatever you want to call them, uh, the one who's at work uh, full-time maybe or just isn't around as much, uh, you kind of grab whatever time you can. So while it's exciting to see that uh, that little bit of development in uh, in Max, it's, uh, it is also the... Uh, the uh, sign that the clock, the countdown on becoming obsolete has already started. Also a bit of a shame because when I was feeding Noah uh, in the nights, when I was doing Noah's night feeds, um, I ended up watching so many TV TV programs and movies. Uh, I ended up uh, catching up on, because I'd seen the first few episodes of Fringe a few years before, I ended up watching the whole of Fringe while I was feeding him. And at a certain age, uh, when they're this, this small, you can basically watch whatever the hell you want. And with Max, that has also been the case. And it's nice to have that excuse to just sit there and watch dumb stuff. So I've been watching, uh, well, not dumb stuff, but watch stuff that you wouldn't, that you'd normally not feel you didn't have the time to watch. So, um, so anyway, I watched, uh, I watched a lot of Key and Peel. Also, all of, uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which uh, I'm watching through again with, uh, Amy and which is just lovely. It's a very, very funny show and it's sort of just as funny. Uh, the second time through but it's also so cute and uh, there is a, a, a feminist through line to it which might get heavy handed if the whole show wasn't just so daft you know um, it, 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 it actually goes as far as to almost lecture the audience at a couple of points but the, the programme has such a healthy sense of all of it and everybody else's ridiculousness that it's all sort of uh, just all of the messages seep into your brain in a in a really nice way that doesn't give you a chance to feel uh, lectured to. So that's good. We're also working through Daredevil at the moment, and um, basically, I mean, the, I we've had Netflix for maybe a year, year and a half. Um, no, no, for nearer to two years, because I watched Fringe on there uh, when not long after Noah was born. But um, 
really, this has been the month where Netflix has paid for itself. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is lovely. Daredevil so far has just been really good. We've been very much enjoying that. And um, over the last couple of days as well, I've been watching a show on there called uh, Video Game High School, which um, I knew as a web series um, that that uh, started a few years ago. There's a, uh, a, a guy who does videos online with some of his uh, friends and collaborators called Freddie Wong, who does... Uh, these uh, video game action movie mashup videos they're he, they kind of do it all it's all DIY they do it all just to, around where they live and 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 and, and with their own um, you know with their own uh, tech. I, for all I know, they're all special effects guys and it's just something they do in their spare time. I don't know. But it all has this lovely DIY feel to it. But they, their fight choreography and their battle choreography and their action choreography, sorry, is all, it has always been really, really good. And so I knew, uh, uh, video game high school. Um, probably getting the name of that wrong. I knew it as sort of the big project that they started that I was pretty certain was going to start distracting them from doing the cute little like two minute videos that I'd really got to like. So I saw the first episode, thought it was fine, checked straight out of it, but I've ended up watching it on Netflix. I think they're only 20 minute uh, episodes and uh, they're all set in this world and this, uh, th- this world where uh, video g- uh, people who play video games, video gamers, a kind of just it, it, the video games have the uh, are at the level of all other televised sports basically, um, and uh, and and in the middle of all of this, there's this uh, high school, and this guy who comes from this fairly humble background who ends up accidentally uh, uh, finding his way into this. This high school and all of the, vi- the 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 idea is that it's a place where they 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 all play. They're learning to become competitive video game players, but the uh, the visual conceit in it is that when they're playing the video games, you actually see it all acted out with uh, uh, cool pyrotechnics and also um, little uh, video game tropes playing out using uh, special effects and stuff, and it's. It's a lot of fun, actually, um, and I've been watching an awful lot of that while I've been feeding Max. So that's great, and that's all on Netflix. I think I, I think they've only been three seasons, and they're all on there. So I'm I'm getting through those. Uh, part of the reason uh, I was considering doing a scripted episode of this, um, I uh, uh, not long after Amy went to bed, I was puttering around doing a couple of errands and and thinking some really heavy, fairly grim and somewhat prosy thoughts and um and yeah for a minute there i was considering writing something really tight that take in some of the stuff that happened this week and the reason why we're not doing a normal show um and uh and would also be a bit more heavy-handed and a bit more confessional in nature and um i thought about that uh, and I sat down 
to think about it, I had my laptop open and then um, I accidentally watched another two episodes of Video Game High School. And then Max woke up and needed feeding. Uh, and so, if nothing else, even if you have no intention of watching that show, or if you do watch it and you think it's shit, uh, the one thing you should think it for is that you didn't have to deal with me doing a scripted monologue. That would have just been awful. Awful for everyone involved. And, and embarrassing. <sighs> The main reason I was thinking about the scripted thing uh, is because uh, Max Barnard, who is a long-time uh, supporter and collaborator of uh, mine and James's uh, comic book podcasting efforts, um, recently started doing a series of contributions called The History of Manga for We Have Issues, which is the other podcast which which comes out on Thursdays. It's about comic books. And he's been doing like proper research and scripts and uh, I'm not sure how much research uh, and how much scripting Max normally does. I've heard him do a completely unscripted podcast before and he's a very articulate speaker anyway. So um, I'm not sure, but this history, the history of manga thing he's doing, it's just, he's done two episodes so far, and it's just, uh, like a stage above anything else he's done for us, and it sounds so tight and, and lovely, and it made me think, maybe I could just read something, maybe there wouldn't be so many ums, and, and I wouldn't have to edit it so much afterwards, uh, um, yeah, but then, uh, literally I got two sentences into it and uh, I was uh, talking about my, uh, I found I was uh, talking about my uh, nihilism or fatalism and, uh, and and really deep diving about stuff that's really so, I probably, you know, it's so very sixth former. Anyway, so yeah, so that would have been Max's fault. So it would have been Max's fault that I was doing a scripted thing for you, but it's Video Game High School's fault uh, or it's them that you should thank for the fact that I didn't. Really feel like I should throw my support behind uh, Professor Jack Darcy's election-centric efforts to promote people voting. Uh, he released a video in the last couple of days which is very funny and very worth your time to go and watch. I like him. Uh, he doesn't He doesn't actually do any songs on the most recent video, uh, but it, it is it is lots of fun. There's something uh, something about it that really appeals to my sense of humour, and and um, there were a couple of jokes, especially around the middle, that that made me laugh at my desk earlier today. It probably wasn't helpful, actually. So, um, so yeah, actually, maybe I shouldn't support him. It's going to get me into trouble. It's also a pretty good time to go and pick up uh, the uh, comic anthology Cross from uh, Disconnected Press. If uh, th those very few of you who might be listening uh, to this who aren't in the UK uh, might have missed that we've got an election coming up, it's um, it's a pretty intense time, a little bit stressful as well, uh, because our choices, none of our choices are that great in the UK at the moment, because it's uh, basically a, a choice between a bunch of very posh, privileged guys 
or a, or a handful of female candidates for across a few different parties. And really what it seems to come down to is a choice between a couple of uh, embedded vintage parties who feel all of whom feel they're entitled to rule and think that that their couple of parties are the only ones that really count for anything or a bunch of other people who've never really had any authority or power and so probably aren't fit to rule either whether you agree with their policies or not so it's interesting um we had some uh labor candidates come around earlier today uh to our house i think they were the first people who'd really uh come to try and knock our door i don't like people coming to the door i really don't um it's uh it feels like such an imposition and um such an invasion of privacy anyway and after um after my issues with the way whoever's handling the Labour emails was handling the Labour emails a couple of weeks ago, I certainly wasn't in the mood to talk to anyone from them. But um, So I was very polite, but I kind of shooed the chap away because uh, the dogs were barking, the toddler was trying to get out the front door. It was just very intense. It always is when someone someone unsolicited comes to the door. Um and uh, so the the way I got rid of him was by saying, uh, we already know who we're voting for, thank you. And he started to talk to me, but then I think kind of realised that there wasn't any point. And it is intense when the dogs are, the dogs are there and they're barking and stuff. Um, even when they're behind a door like they were. But as he was walking away, I kind of uh, got this, uh, this pang of... Um, not support but just a little bit of pity I kind of feel a lot of sympathy for anyone who even if they volunteered who is going door to door because I just know that a lot of the people they end up talking to probably aren't going to be very nice aren't going to be very polite and it's just a slog isn't it so as he was going away I did shout uh, we're, we're not going to be voting Tory though so don't worry uh, because I felt like uh, from the some of the uh the uh, campaigning that I've seen from them I wondered if maybe that that would be enough for the chap who was coming to the door to know that we weren't voting for their main opposition of course now that I think about it maybe maybe he took that to mean we're voting for UKIP I mean I mean we're not it's not really any of your business who we're voting for uh, and you didn't really ask I know but but you should be ashamed of yourself for um, for even caring if you do care. But if you don't care, you know, that's fine. But yeah, we're not voting for UKIP. Anyone who's an immigrant who's voting for UKIP is also a bit of an idiot. That's what I reckon anyway. Yeah, so you should definitely go and uh, listen to uh, uh, Professor Jack Darcy's uh, stuff. I'll, I'll post a link to that in the um, in the show notes if I end up doing any show notes for this episode. Seems like a pretty good idea, a pretty good time. It seems like a pretty good time to mention that we do have a YouTube channel. Um, It's linked to our email account as well. Our email account uh, for the podcast is 2gmpodcast at gmail.com. 
we also post to SoundCloud, so you can, uh, if you do listen to podcasts on SoundCloud or you share stuff on SoundCloud, you can you can go there. We're on Two Grown Men there as well. Or you can subscribe to us at your podcatcher of choice, of course. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at 2GMPod or I'm Nick site on Twitter, N-I-X-S-I-G-H-T. James is James Mom. Um, and... Yeah, do rate and review us at places and do tell your friends about us. So, yeah, so those are the places you can find us and, and podcast. Now this is this is probably quite a long episode for it just being me talking and it not being a proper episode. So um, I should probably let you go, listener. I'm sure you've got better things to be doing than to be listening to me blabber on. You could be listening to Comedy Bang Bang. There have been a couple of really good ones with Lauren Lapkus on lately. She's lovely. Um, she's also got her own podcast as well. You should seek that out, definitely. Uh, oh, and the regular features, guys. They've got a new episode out. Uh, I was just listening to that earlier. I'll probably go back to that in a bit. Oh, you can also buy um, a friend of our show and the artist on our logo, David Wen. uh is uh, currently doing the uh, art. He's the official artist for the Rachel and Mars Explain the X-Men podcast. And um, I know that a lot of the awesome, awesome art he does for that show uh, is available. Uh, the original art's available, and I think there are also prints and T-shirts and stuff like that available as well. So you should definitely go and check that out. I'll put links to that in the show notes as well. I think David's always a good point to finish a podcast on so uh, I'm going to go now Um, thanks for your patience and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again next week Mm -hmm.